to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, where we'll be studying verses 27 through 30 this morning. Uh, here at Beacon Hill Church, we want to make sure that uh, everyone has a copy of the Word of God or at least has one available to them. So if you need a copy of God's Word this morning, just raise your hand and one of the Beacon Hill team members will bring them down to you so you can have a very own copy. And if you don't have one at home, take it as uh, our gift to you. We want to make sure that the Word of God is in your hands. And the ones that we are passing out actually are already to our scripture this morning in Philippians, so you don't have to look for it. Uh, it will be right there. So uh, if you're able to, um, to stand in honor of reading God's word this morning as we read the scripture of Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. The word of God says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightening anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, I thank you and I praise you for your word. I thank you for the access to your word, Lord. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the power of your word. This morning I asked uh, that I would be able to proclaim it boldly, uh, clearly, uh, with concision of speech, clarity of mind, and boldness, Lord, that I would be unashamed to preach your word this morning. Lord, that I would decrease and you would increase, and Lord, you would get all the glory. And Lord, may someone leave here today knowing Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I have entitled the message this morning, Living the Gospel-Centered Life. Living the Gospel-Centered Life. When you look at this world you can hardly say that the world is centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you look at this country, you can hardly say that uh, this country is centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even when you look at this community, you can't say that this community is centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you have to ask yourself, what is it going to take for this country, for this world, this community to have Jesus Christ at the center of everything that they do? And the answer to that question lies in the fact that the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. I, I'm afraid that even in the church, the majority of churches in America, the gospel is not the center. So much so that in the typical church in America, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is far from being proclaimed that the average church person would not know a biblical sermon if it hit him upside the head. I want you to know, as, as Paul said when he came to the church of Corinth, he said, look, I didn't come to you preaching a, a message of, of, of God with lofty speech and wisdom, but I came to you proclaiming in the power of the Holy Spirit that you would know nothing else but Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ crucified. I'm here today to tell you that he wanted to, the church to be able to 
to minister, to be able to be on their own two feet and not follow man, but be under the authority and the power of God. And if we are not preaching Jesus and Jesus Christ crucified, we may be preaching something, but we're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not only a problem of church, that's the problem because we are asking this world, we are asking this country, we are asking this community something that we are not doing ourselves. If we're going to see this community turned upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are going to have to learn what it means to live a gospel-centered life. We have to understand that Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which is lost, that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. This message must not be only the central part of the message that is preached in any pulpit, but it also must be the message that is a central part of any believer's lives. So you have to ask yourself this question. Are you centered? Are you centered? on the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is your life centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ? So this morning, I want us to look at this term, what it means to have a gospel-centered life. When we look at verse 27, the apostle Paul says this. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Up until this point in the book of Philippians, Paul has uh, just issued a, a thanksgiving, a, a blessing, a, just a thankfulness for the church at Philippi. But now when we come to verse 27, he is calling them out to live the life that they have been set apart for. And this is not something that Paul is asking them to do, that he is not doing himself. The gospel was the central part of Paul's life. Everything that he did flowed out of the gospel so much. When you read from Romans, you actually see that Paul wishes that he could actually go to hell if it meant that his friends would come to know Christ. That is how much he knew and understood the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He understood it because he had been changed by the power of the gospel. The gospel flowed out of everything that he did and everything that he was. Six times in the book of Philippians chapter one, Paul mentions the gospel. Six times, just in chapter one of Philippians, he thanks them for their partnership of the gospel. He thanks them for defending the gospel. He actually says, look, while I'm in prison, it's actually being used to advance the gospel so I can defend it myself in the gospel. And he challenged them to live a life worthy of the gospel and that they should be a church that is striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. See, for Paul, the gospel wasn't an add-on. It wasn't an invitation at the end of a message. It was the message for Paul. Everything that Paul said and did came out of the message of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ being crucified. If you were to ask someone what the gospel means to them, you would have a host of different responses. Some people would say the gospel means faith. Hope, peace, joy, love, kindness. Yet some people would even say that the gospel means hate. Yet when we look at the Greek translation translated, the gospel actually means good news. The, the good news, that means anything that you share that is good news could be considered the gospel. But Paul is not sharing just any good news. 
He doesn't say, I'm just preaching the gospel. He says, I am sharing the good news of Christ. That is not only good news, that is the best news. The message of the gospel of Christ is the best news that we can offer a fallen and broken world. It is the best news. If you wanted to describe the gospel to somebody, if someone asked you to describe the gospel of Christ, you can sum it up in three words. That is, Jesus saves sinners. That's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to look far. You can just look in a mirror and you will see a sinner. Every single one of us is a sinner. Every single one of us has fallen short of the glory of God. For that sin, our wages is death. We deserve eternal punishment. But God, y'all know I love that term, but God, but God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus saves sinners. I say that's good news, but it's not really good news for those who don't understand that message. The, the ones who, who live their life being their own gods, and they will find out that not only is he Lord and Savior, but he will also be judged. Those who want to go their own way, find their own path, will find out too late that Jesus Christ was the path that they were looking for all along. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ came so that we could live for those who would repent and turn their life over to him. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we look at the gospel of Christ, we understand that the gospel has power. We see in Romans chapter one, that is the power of God unto salvation. See, God can do what we cannot do. We cannot save anyone, but God can save everyone. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are never too far uh, from the grace of God. You cannot run, you cannot do anything where God cannot bring you home and the church will celebrate. That is the power of God. But not only that, the gospel of Christ is also not man-made. I don't believe in mocking other faiths. There's a lot of different faiths out there. There's a lot of people who believe in a lot of different things and I don't think it helps the gospel to mock people. Matter of fact, scripture says that we are to set apart in our hearts Christ as Lord and be prepared to give a defense for anyone who asks us for the hope that is within us, but to do it with gentleness and respect. And somehow, Christians forgot the gentleness and respect part. See, I understand that Mormons believe that they have the accurate message. I've had a Mormon sit across from me in my own living room trying to tell me that I am only saved to a point and that I need more out of my life. They believe wholeheartedly what they're sharing is the truth. Muslims believe that they are doing what is accurate. They are, believe that they are serving God, and Paul understands this, because Paul himself was somebody who believed that he was doing the right thing. But when he had a Damascus Road experience and realized that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. He turned from that life and started following Jesus. I say that to tell you this. This is not a man-made religion I'm preaching. I invite you, 
I, I exhort you, I implore you, if you have any questions about this gospel, investigate the truth for yourselves and you will see that Jesus Christ is the real deal. He will not be proven wrong. I, I guarantee that. I have investigated it in myself and I understand as Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord, our God shall last forever. That is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The grace of the gospel. Let me tell you, it's only by God's grace that we are saved. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, it's by grace through faith that you have been saved. It is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, a lot of people, if you were to ask them in their personal opinion, why do you think that you're going to heaven? They will respond with saying, I do good things. I, I do good works. I, 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 I'm trying to get closer to God and he'll see me and he'll understand. But I want to respond to that with this simple Answer, you could never do enough good things to earn your salvation. If you were sitting at the edge of the Grand Canyon, you and someone else, and you had a competition, and you wanted to say, who can jump the furthest? Who can make it the furthest to the other side? And so one jumps, and then, and then the other one jumps a little bit further. Guess what? You're both gonna end up at the bottom. That is why we need Jesus. He is the bridge between our sin and a holy and righteous God. That's the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's only by grace you have been saved, which gives us the implications of the gospel. If the gospel message is true, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way to heaven except through making Jesus Christ Lord of your life, then that means... Those who have gone their own way, who are going their own path, will spend eternity in hell. And those who have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ will spend the eternity in hell. And with those implications, tells us that we are to be ambassadors of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That is what we're called to do in Corinthians. We are to go and share the message that we have received and believed and know that has power to save anybody because you know it's true if God saved you. That is the implications of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what does this look like in our lives? When we look at verse 27, what does it mean to be a gospel-centered believer? This first word from the Greek, it says only in the ESV. Only comes from the Greek word manos, meaning soul. Only, there is nothing else. There's not in addition to plus, but only. Let the gospel be centered in your life. Let it compete with nothing else in your life. Some of you, when you were asked, what is the most important thing in your life? You might respond with your spouse. You might respond with your family. You might respond with certain things and you might think that you're 100% right. But when I read the scripture, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and all your soul and love your neighbor with yourself. If you wanna know how to love your spouse, if you wanna know how to love your family, if you wanna know how to love your neighbor, then love Jesus with all your heart. Put him in the center and you will see love like you've never seen before. That is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also, your conduct, the, the way that you are 
to live your life. Your conduct should be in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the Philippians understood when they got this message. They, through a war, they actually became citizens of Rome. This came with extreme privileges. This came with uh, expectations for them that they were to live their lives in a certain way because they were Roman citizens. They were expected to conduct themselves in a special way. And here in America, we might have our share of problems. We might have a, a lot of tension. We might have a, a lot of things that are going on, but we are blessed to be able to be here in America. We are blessed to be living in America. We have responsibilities that come with living in America. And so when Paul is speaking to the church of Philippi, he's also speaking to us today that we understand that we are blessed to live here. But this is not our home. This is not our home. We are just passing through. We are citizens of a kingdom, a greater kingdom. And there is expectations and requirements and conduct that we should live out for being members of the kingdom of God. This is what he's calling us to do. We are citizens of this. We, we should cleanse ourselves of sin. We should want to be closer to him. We should do what it takes to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as he says in verse 27, he says, let your life be worthy. The message actually says, let your life be a credit to the gospel. That, that your life should be a consistent walk with Christ. This is not a moment in time. This isn't a, a season when you walk with Christ, but your life should be one where you are growing in Christ. Yet, I want you to see, fourthly, for a gospel-centered believer, the constancy of the gospel. Those of y'all who are regulars in the church, y'all know that I don't use big words like constancy. But yet, it all started with C, so I figured I had to start with something else. So look, when we look at verse 27, Paul actually says, so that whether or not I come or stay away, that you are standing firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is, that your walk with Jesus Christ doesn't depend on the preacher. Your walk with Jesus Christ doesn't uh, uh, depend on your life circumstances. Your life with Jesus, your walk with Jesus is a personal walk with Jesus Christ that you are to be growing in the relationship with him. Jonathan Edwards says it like this. I have two resolutions in my life. One, that I will live for God. Number two is if no one else will, I still will. It doesn't matter what the world does. You know the truth and you are to be living your life to the glory of God. If you are a believer who is striving and growing in Christ and you understand that the Jesus is center out of everything that you can do and everything that you are, then lastly, I wanna share with you what a gospel-centered church looks like. What a gospel-centered church. Look with me. Verse 27 is a long sentence, but he says this. He goes, whether I come and see you or are absent, I may hear of you standing firm in one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This picture that Paul is sharing with the believers at Philippi is that a church that is centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ is standing firm together in the gospel. It's this picture of people locking arms together, that they are not going to be moved because they are standing firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, what happens in churches most of the time 
is that we go our own way, we have our own priorities, we do our own things, and we do good things for the gospel, but we are not standing firm as one body of believers with a mission to reach people for the kingdom of God. And this is what is being said here, that you must stand firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And secondly, he says this, that you are striving together. You are striving together for the gospel. Look, Every week we implore you to get comfortable being uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you are locked together, when you are on mission to reach somebody, you are moving forward together. You are striving forward together and you will push back the gates of hell and hell will not prevail against what God is doing here in this church. This is the implications when you make Jesus Christ the center of your life. And here's the deal, that you're unafraid to proclaim the gospel that you're unafraid to proclaim the gospel, that you understand that not everyone is going to receive what you're saying. This is not frightening in anything by your opponents. You're not worried about who mocks you, who makes fun of you, who disses you, who slams the door in your face, who shuts the windows when you come tonight. You understand to them that you have the life-saving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you are not ashamed of the gospel, that you know that without Jesus, they will go to hell. And if a church is on mission for God, if they're living the mission of God out, listen, there will be a clear sign. There will be a clear sign. My, one of my favorite preachers, H.B. Charles, says it like this. The church has gotten so close to the world that they've fallen in. That we can't tell the difference between being saved and not saved anymore. We, we, we blurred the line so much but we need to live our lives solely focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ so it's a clear sign that people need Jesus and that we are going to heaven and we wanna take as many people with us when we go. And I tell you this morning that the purpose of everything that we do is to bring glory to God. This morning, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Maybe you've never heard it this bluntly before, but I'm telling you, Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is the solution to whatever you're going through. And I pray that you would join us as we strive together to push back the darkness in Hopewell and that we would see this town turned upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm gonna come forth at a time of invitation. I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna ask you to respond. I don't know what you've got going on in your life, what, what decisions you need to make, but I pray whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking in your hearts today, that you would respond and you would say, I want to lock arms with Beacon Hill Church and push back the darkness in this town. And there would be a clear sign that God is at work and hell has no chance here. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for who you are. I thank you for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the power of your word. Lord, it's nothing that I say or do that will save anybody, but it's the power of God unto salvation. So Lord, I pray this morning that if someone is here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, today would be the day of salvation for them, that they would have courage and boldness to come forth and make changes in their life that they need to do to follow you. I pray that we would be a church that's locking arms together, striving together, walking together to push back the darkness and the gates of hell will not prevail. Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and respond to God's word this morning.